This week, Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is proud to join the ranks of podcasts supported by our friends at HelloFresh. HelloFresh, meal kit delivery. You've heard of this, right? Uh, Do you hate going to the grocery store? Does it drive you nuts like me? I live to see if I can get out of it, how long I can wait between trips. Uh, And part of it is because I just feel like I get stuck in a rut figuring out what we're having for dinner, right? Well, with HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes, and they come right to your door. Now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. That's the new thing, right? Do it quickly. Over 25 recipes to choose from each week. And let me just tell you, uh, if you've not gotten to see the recipes that you can get access to, how about curry spice chickpea bowls? Mm. One pan Rajas quesadillas? Yes, please. Go to the link in our show notes. Get 80 bucks off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Now, Let's do some rock and roll bedtime stories. Hey, you awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Yeah, man. I, I got the man. Yeah, let's do it. Rock and roll bedtime stories exist to set... Uh, straight the rumor and innuendo you've heard about your favorite bands and favorite songs and we are 50 episodes in baby this is huge what's up my name is brian and i'm murdoch and i knew we'd get here man it's just me and you talking about rock this is stuff we've been doing for over a decade and now we just record it and people get excited about it it's really nice it's very it's always nice to hear from folks who listen and enjoy the show and we appreciate it uh, yeah when you leave those okay. love notes publicly it really helps if you want to head to like Apple Podcasts and drop your affection there. Like Jones McGillicuddy, which is a great screen name, by the way. He left a note that says, I dig it, fellas. Was looking for something just like this. Way to come through. These guys have great voices and provide interesting commentary. Keep them coming. Doesn't that make you feel good? That does, man. That's an ego-enhancing thing. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't fun. So yeah. I, I hope that I hope Actually, that people understand. Yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing it if it if it was not fun, but we would probably be doing it anyway. Like that's the thing I always explain to people. Like this is basically just Murdoch and I just recording stuff, conversations we'd have anyway. Um another one comes yeah. from Wardster25, not as good a screen name. He rated us on a five star scale, he rated us four stars, and he says the only thing keeping this from a five star review is how often these guys get way off subject. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair criticism. You know, Wardster, I'm, yeah. I, I understand. By the way, I, I, did I tell you that I watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm the other day? on H- It's on HBO uh, now. Did you ever watch that as a kid? No, no, no. All I, right. did, I did not watch that. I, I think I didn't see any kid stuff. I think I went straight to, uh, uh, for Batman, I, I guess I went straight to Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, well, in, in Mask of the Phantasm was this weird thing they did in the mid-90s. Where it was part of the animated series. The main animated series was like kind of oh, for kids, but it was like yes. dark. Well, I watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was, was like the theatrical the... thing that came out of the animated series. They actually showed it in theaters, but it's hilarious because it's only like an hour and 15 minutes. Like It's very short. Um, but I'm glad to see that it's on HBO, and uh, I've, I highly recommend it. So anyway, what did what what did someone say about us that we get off subject? Crazy. Uh, okay, yeah, right. Let me read yeah. the rest of his review. Wartster25 finished his review by saying, "But this is a good time show with funny hosts, and I enjoy it." So I'll take those four stars. It brings us back down to earth a little bit. We have room for improvement. This is like a corporate. Uh, 
uh, interview thing where they, they say, okay, let, let us give you the good and the bad. And the bad is you guys need to stay focused. So we'll work on yeah. that, buddy. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I hope that, you, man, I do appreciate, thanks for leaving the review. And I hope you've never been in a meeting where they ask you, what do you really do here? Because those are my, <laughs> most of my least favorite meetings of ever of all meetings. Has that happened? All, all meetings. Has that happened to you recently? No, like I, I remember seeing that in office space and it was just such a hysterical thing. Yeah. You know, it's like because he got hit on the head and just yeah. started doing everything different, like pulling a Costanza the whole movie. But yeah, I, I was I, I did have an experience where there was a I went in prepared for something and didn't realize I was gonna get like sort of those kinds of questions. Those are the worst questions. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll try not to ask those. Uh, but you can send us emails if you have questions to we are the story guys at gmail.com. Your emails are often where we find our best episodes. And today is no different. Uh, a note from Rainy today. And she says, I was at a party last weekend where someone offhandedly mentioned that one of the Ramones became a rapper. Is that possibly true (laughs) okay let's not spoil it i just am mostly excited that we get to talk about the ramones today dude how excited are you i feel like this is pretty important band for both of us right yeah i i just i just had a call like uh this is monday on friday with this person a colleague someone i don't really know but we're connected uh through this board and she lives in Cleveland. And I was like, hey, man, my, my buddy's playing. He's closing the summer concert series at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And she was like, no way. I'm going to go see Bully at because they're playing. And the Cloud Nothings are playing. My buddy John Paul Keith is closing the series, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And she's like, Do you, have you ever been? I was like, yeah. And I was like, when did you go? And she was telling me about going. And uh, she saw some music. And she was talking about the Sgt. Pepper outfits and everything. And I said, I got to go when there was a Ramones exhibit. Did I tell you? Have I ever talked about I, the Ramones I don't exhibit? think you've ever talked about the Ramones exhibit with me. Oh, their leather okay. jackets, their haircuts, what did we get? Yeah, you had everything in the guitars and the whole the right. whole shebang. Right. And um, and this will just lead us, and I'll, I'll just say this, and please you tell the story, because I can't wait to hear about <laughs> how you're going to give this up to everybody. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So, so, but the cool, so yeah, there was the coats, the guitars. And and then um, there were set list and there was a set list and I saw it and it was like seeing the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain because it was written out and it said, "We're the Ramones and you're a loudmouth baby. You better shut it up." And there's a parentheses and it says oh. one, two, three, four. Close parentheses. No. This is the first single on our new new record from Sire Records. It's called Blitzkrieg Bop. Parentheses. One, two, three, four. They and I was like, it all out. And I and 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 so I love the Ramones and like I learned how to play Ramones songs on guitar and like I just think they're badass and I, I like to listen to them when I drive. Like yeah, it's hell yeah. They're like the but it's unabashedly was like just like Kiss or Motley Crue. Like they just did the same, you know, you got a script, you stick to the script, you do the thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But yeah. but the cool thing about that exhibit was they had this art, all this pop art from Dee Dee, and it was all this amazing. It was like Warhol esque yeah. big stuff, uh, and that was really cool. So I'm really excited to hear about which Ramon. <laughs> yeah, 
I love how you're like reaction. not you're not gonna squash it because I'm sure you know. Okay, so I have an embarrassing relationship with Ramones in that because of my religious upbringing that we've talked about on the show a lot, I actually heard a fake version of the Ramones first. This is totally true. I got this sampler CD of quasi Christian rock when I was like 14. Oh my God. And Ryan, really, yeah, and I I might still have it somewhere. It's still one of my favorite CDs I've ever owned, and it was called the like the Airborne Comp. No, I forget what it was. The Starball compilation. That's what it was called. The Starball the Starball contribution or the Starball compilation. And it was all of these bands. Some of them I could get down a rabbit hole explaining who was on here because there's some bands that have had some significance. Right. But it was mostly all this like weird indie rock that was kind of shoehorned into Christian bookstores. But it wasn't really Christian rock. I mean, not like in the way that you might think of it. It's not like Petra, who we've talked about on the show before. It's not like that at all. Yeah. But and tell me it, about the Ramones part. That's what I want to know. So so yeah. So there was this band that I discovered through that sampler that I absolutely loved. And I'm just going to play you the song I fell in love with first. It's called I Really Don't Like It, and it's by The Huntingtons. This blew my mind. Wow. This blew my wow. mind. Now, does it sound wow. like does it sound like someone else to you? Yeah, it does. Is that on Spotify or is that on YouTube? Oh, no, that's on Spotify. You can find a few of their records on Spotify. Uh, and here's a, here's a great, uh, the great kind of finale to this story is that like three years ago, I went to a punk show in Cincinnati and they were opening. And I got to see the Huntingtons play live. And after the gig, I found them in the venue and I told them that story that I literally had to have someone explain to me that the Huntingtons were pretending basically to be the Ramones. And they did the same thing. They dressed in the same stuff. Uh, it, was, it was the whole deal. And I didn't get it. And I didn't understand it. And so I actually thought the Ramones were kind of ripping off the Huntingtons as opposed to oh the other gosh, way around. Really? And let me tell oh, you, if you're guys who have just been playing crappy bar gigs and have day jobs, and you have a you know 30-something-year-old man walk up to you and say, I literally thought that you were the founders of punk rock, kind of. <laughs> It was it was a good night, and I was glad I got to tell them that story. So I'm, I want to know that. By the way, the Huntingtons have a record that came out in 1999 called "File Under Ramones," and it's an entire album of Ramones. Yeah, covers. I mean, it was a it was you know not really a secret what they were doing. I was just too young to understand it at the time, and obviously, I have since uh, remedied that. But I thought it would be fun since uh, this is so in our personal areas of interest as we jump into talking about the Ramones. If instead of me like telling history if if i put it in the form of trivia questions for you see if you know a lot of these basic ramones facts are you up for that i am and i just want to tell you how freaking cute it is that you you thought that the ramones were covering the huntingdons because you heard the huntingdons doing ramones songs it's so it's adorable okay okay we're gonna start with an easy one <laughs> Uh, they all go by the last name of Ramon. Are any of the original band biologically related? Yes or no? No. No, no, no correct. Uh, why did they choose the last name Ramon as their shared last name? Did they get the inspiration from Phil, Phil Ramon? No, it has to do with how Paul McCartney used to book his hotel rooms. No, no. Oh, crap. How did I not? That's, that's amazing. I can't. So the Ramones named themselves after his, his alias. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's so crazy. Which of the original Ramones are still alive? Tommy. 
No, none of them. Mar- oh, none of oh oh okay, not none of the original. Okay, right. so I'm I'm gonna give you the real name and you give me the stage name. See if you can do this. Oh okay. It, it it's kind of easy until you get to one or two of them where they don't match up. John okay. Cummings is Johnny. Johnny Ramone. Thomas Erdely is Dee Dee. No, Thomas. Tommy. Tommy Ramone. Douglas. Okay. Douglas Colvin is. That's Dee Dee. That's Dee Dee. And Jeffrey Hyman. Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeff. Jeffrey is Joey. That is correct. Who now? Who was the original lead singer of the Ramones? We obviously know Joey is who we think of as the as the lead singer of the Ramones. But who was the original lead singer? Joey played drums. Yep. And was Dee Dee the singer? Yeah, Dee Dee was the singer, but it quickly became apparent that he couldn't sing and play bass at the same time. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Which is hilarious I, I, to me because I've been there. I, I do know that, um, you know, that at, at the end, Johnny and Joey weren't friends. And then right. I, I, I read somewhere where towards kind of the end before Dee Dee actually left that at one point, Johnny was like, you know, you need to be jump up and down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Telling, telling him what to do, because uh, Dee Dee was fun. He was like the ace. He was like the ace freely. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Dee Dee. No spoilers. Yeah. Who was usually the Ramon responsible for yelling one, two, three, four at the beginning of those songs? That's always Dee Dee. Always Dee Dee. The band's emergence was almost simultaneous and synergistic with what New York City rock club? CBGB's. They played their first show in March of 74, but their first time at CBGB's was in August of 74. And do you know, by the end of that year, 1974, how many times they played CBGB's? You want to take a wild guess? Yeah, I won't get it right, but let's. I'm going to pretend I'm playing craps. 11. 74. <laughs> what? 74 times. They played like almost every night. For between August and, and the end of December, uh, what do you know? Oh my God! Do you know amazing. what the average Ramon set length was in the early days? I feel like this question has to come next because you say, "Oh my God, they played there that many times," and then you find out how long their set was. Twenty-seven minutes. Uh, you're off by ten minutes. Seventeen minutes. <laughs> Seventeen. <laughs> That's, oh, I'm just thinking like, oh, yeah, that's right. They probably didn't have any material. So you did pretty good. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, on to the story of the remotes. You've got us up through the first year. Okay, so they become regulars at CBGB's, and the group is signed to a recording contract in 75. Do you know who signs them to that recording contract? Seymour Stein. Seymour Stein of Sire Records. Sire A&R man Craig Leon saw the band and brought them to the attention of the label. But you know who... You know, as in most cases, you know, who was actually the brains behind this. It was not Craig Leon. It was Craig Leon's. It was it was Seymour Stein's wife. Seymour Stein's wife, Linda, saw the band play at Mother's and she would later end up co-managing them with Danny Fields. Yes, I read about I forgot all about that. I read about that in a book once finding out that it wasn't Seymour Stein. It was his wife. Yeah, but man. The, the whole thing, I didn't know that she was in the music biz at all. So she used to manage them. That's crazy. Okay. So, you know, I think it's important to point out what was catching people off guard about these guys. And there's a quote from Dee Dee that explains it really well, where he says in this interview, he's like, listen, at the time, all these other singers in New York were, when they wanted to, to kind of do what we were doing in, in this emerging punk thing, they were copying David Joanson. Right. They were doing the New York dolls thing. And he yes, said, right. 
you know, David Johansson was really just copying Mick Jagger. But yes. Joey yes. was doing his totally his own thing and he was totally unique and so that really caught people's attention. Yeah, Joey was the drummer originally. I know, Joey which is so a- so funny to me that he was the drummer yeah. and when they realized they needed a different singer, they moved him off the drums and they eventually um and we'll get to this, they eventually bring their buddy who was going to kind of sit on the sidelines in to play drums. Yeah. And you know Joey was in a he was in a sanitarium when he was a kid. Tell me more about that. I don't know about that. I mean, just imagine how much more reserved and awkward a, a little kid you are after you have to go through that experience. I don't know much about why. I, I know probably, you know, whether he had a learning disability or whatever it was. You know, it's like, I'm sure people were like, that boy ain't right. And he got stuck in a a mental institution. So I, I know it probably wasn't very uh, positive. But um, then he came out and became like he he sang love songs in a punk band. Like, yeah, he he was very expressive with. I mean, he just like it was like he was the anti heartthrob. Yeah. The Ramones. Yeah. So the guys record their first record in 1976. It costs. Are you ready for this? A whopping sixty four hundred dollars. Now, in today's money, that's like 30 grand. But that is still insane. Thirty grand. For yeah, the first, the, fir- the first two records are undeniable in oh, terms of critics. Just critics how great. love them, right? So they come out and and critics freak out. The Village Voice is you know writing love notes and the whole thing. Everyone else kind of ignores it. Uh, there's not a hit. They it, nothing really charts. The singles, including Blitzkrieg Bop, don't really make noise. And they it takes them a while to play anywhere outside of New York. Do you have any idea? Here's another question for you. Where their first show in the United States was outside of New York? Oh, man. I, I don't know this. I don't know this at all. Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> I think that's funny. So basically, America ignores them until they get to go to London. Now, this is yeah. where things start to happen. They go to London. They get this gig with the Flamin' Groovies. And at this gig with the Flamin' Groovies, Mark Bolin, the legendary Mark Bolin, shows up and goes on stage and plays during their set and then they also while they're over there they meet the clash they meet the sex pistols and what starts to happen just to kind of summarize it is that wherever the ramones go the punk scene in that city gets solidified so yeah they go back to la and things get moving there they go to toronto and things get moving there they're an absolute force but just not in the traditional sense their songs don't really chart they don't really have radio hits no zero the highest they ever get on the Billboard charts. Do you want to guess what the highest they ever get on the Billboard charts is, number-wise? Uh, while they were alive? Yeah, 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 um, while they were alive. Uh, like 73. Oh, really close, 66. And and the song, do you have any idea what the song is? It's not uh, a song I think of, typically. It, it, it's Pet Cemetery. It's not, though Pet Cemetery, yeah. Pet Cemetery does do well for them later. Uh it's Rockaway Beach. Oh yeah, because that was a single too, which was great. And and you mentioned yeah, you mentioned something that's very important, dude. They went to London, and you you mentioned this almost in passing, but Steve Jones and Johnny Rotten were in the audience. The Six Pistols didn't exist. The Ramones Jones started. An audience like, they started yeah. punk rock. They started punk rock. I mean, and that can't right. really be overstated. And and they people. 
came up behind them in droves and they took it in different places. I mean, what the Clash does, very different than what the Ramones do. And what the Sex Pistols do is is a weird distillation, right? It's different than both of them. But it all starts because you see these guys who have you already have pointed out, they're kind of anti-heroes in terms of style and finesse. Yeah, but it's very calculated and very interesting. And they... And they, uh, I, I don't want to, you know, you're going to get to this, but at some point after Rockaway Beach, and it gets to be around the, the 80s, they get to be, ha- have a soundtrack. They get to work with a famous producer. Oh, 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 we're getting, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. We're All getting right. there. We're going to spend a lot okay. of time there. Uh, okay. So interesting point of discussion, as we've already kind of touched on, there aren't a lot of universal Ramon songs, right? There's... For them being a band that influenced an entire, like, I mean, their influence is still felt, right? They have fake versions of themselves showing up in the 90s making records, right? Like, they, they have completely changed the game. But they don't have, like, universal go-to songs, really. There's only a couple. Like, for me, it's, you know, Blitzkrieg Bop and I Want to Be Sedated. But what what are the songs you think of automatically when you think Ramones? Um, I think Commando. For sure. Okay. Okay. Um, Judy is a punk. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Um, you're gonna kill that girl. Okay. Okay. These are a little. These are a little deeper. I like this. Uh, I do like Pet Cemetery. A Pet Cemetery is uh, great. But but here. Okay. So but I have favorite ones, and I so I like the, you know the entire first two records are amazing, and it's difficult to. It's like Led Zeppelin four or whatever. Right. But hey, hold on. Do you know who produces? The second and third record? No, I don't. Tony Bongiovi. Do you know who that is? It's it's he's it's John it's John Bon Jovi's brother. Second cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Uh, that's amazing. Uh, that's that's really hilarious. But hey, um, there's a song called "I Believe in Miracles." Okay. And I love that song. Um, but my favorite Ramon song is a D.D. Ramon song. Um, he wrote a lot of them. D.D. was prolific in his songwriting, and he wrote a lot of the songs. Yeah. Poison Heart is my favorite Ramon song, and it's written by him. And it was it was a downbeat. It was slower, and then they sped it up like a regular Ramon song. And he was really disappointed. That jams, man. Yeah. I just want to walk right out of this world because everybody's got a poison heart. That's what that song is about. It's like so sad. So it doesn't fit in with the rest of the canon at all, really. Yeah. But but it's a great song. Another one I like, uh, a cover that they do that we actually use sometimes on our other podcast, Story Guys, uh, as bumper music, is uh, their cover of... Um, 
my back pages by Dylan. <laughs> oh God, it's love. so good. It's, it's yeah, that entire yeah that entire records font. Like, you know, if you like, if you've uh, have you ever seen the rain by CCR? Like, you and you haven't heard the Ramones do it. Oh man, <laughs> I mean, like. I mean, I hope John Fogarty likes it because it's pretty amazing. And the 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 CC revisited the band without John Fogarty. I hope that they they like that too. I love to play that song only like the Ramones do because <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> okay, so let's keep moving in their history. In '78, Tommy quits touring and just becomes their producer. And so this is the point where they get Mark Bell to join the band on drums, and he becomes Marky Ramone. That's right. Uh, and now we get to a great rock and roll bedtime story that is not the one we signed up for here, right? We're going to talk about the rap music, but there you've already alluded to these things, which is in 79, Roger Corman makes a movie called Rock and Roll High School and puts the Ramones in it. Have you seen it? Have I seen Rock and Roll High School? <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase the question. How many times have you seen Rock and Roll High School? <laughs> Um, well, I saw it the first time I was in high school. Okay. So that was quite a long time ago. So I don't know, man, maybe a dozen times. You know who else has seen that flick? Who? Uh, Phil Spector. Phil Spector saw that flick. <laughs> and and that's where we get to this this uh, little bonus rock and roll bedtime story. The, the, we still haven't done a full freaking episode about Phil Spector, and dang it, we should, because there is so much here. And he reaches out to the Ramones after seeing Rock and Roll High School, and he says he wants to produce their next thing. And this is what becomes infamously known as End of the Century. How do you, how do you feel about End of the Century, the Ramones record? It's um, it's my least favorite Ramones record of of all their records, except I do love Baby I Love You. I think that's just absolutely gorgeous. So I think it's important to point out if if you I pulled that record up and listened through it when working on this, and I gotta say, you know what it sounds like? Uh, it, it sounds like a damn Phil Spector record. <laughs> like listen to this. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I did pay for I mean, I mean, dude, listen to that yeah. horn section. Yeah. I mean, if you ever wondered what would happen when Phil Spector and the Ramones met, that is exactly what I would have predicted. It um, is pretty amazing. I did forget that Chinese rock is on on that uh, on that record, and that that song's amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, and you know, I don't know how much you were planning on talking about Phil and the, and the Ramones. Oh, well, there, there's a certain rumor we need to talk about. That you, do you want to just say what that rumor is about what happened during that recording session? Um, if you're talking about, I don't know which rumor you're talking about, but I know the one rumor that, that he, he, pulled a, he pulled a gun. Yeah, Spectre held Johnny at gunpoint, forcing him to re repeatedly yeah. play the same riff over and over. Now, this is, yeah. this is disputed, but before we confirm or deny this actually being true, it's important to examine the context and the people involved here, right? So, you know, we just said they made something that sounded like a Phil Spectre record, and you're taking the Ramones, who were known for being pretty sloppy, 
and Phil Spector, who is known for being very polished. And so from the very beginning, this doesn't seem like a great match, right? The pairing is strange. And adding to all that, up to this point in their relatively short career, the Ramones have only worked with their friends. Ed Stasium and Johnny Ramone have been the only people producing stuff for them. Right. And and furthermore, you were talking about, did this happen? There, there's two There's two clues. Um, so there's a... There's a you know, Mr. Spectre and uh, and the idea of guns. So I'm gonna just roll the dice and say <laughs> seven. That I I'm gonna say I'm guessing that's probably true because he was there. Yeah, yeah. We do know Phil loved and owned guns. So the idea a gun showed up at some point seems very true, yes. Right. So but uh and you know, you can you can tell that I mean the record is <laughs> It does sound like a Phil Spector. It's it's very labored over, right? They enter into this relationship with this eccentric who is obsessed with getting things a specific and certain way. And there's this great piece that we have in the show notes from groovyhistory.com. And they wrote, picture this. You're the guitarist for the Ramones. You've spent the last three years playing the same three or four chords across four albums and countless shows. And now there's a guy in a wig and a purple cape telling you how to play one chord at the beginning of a song that you've already recorded for a different album. That was the case while the Ramones re-recorded Rock and Roll High School for End of the Century. Yeah. And I mean, the the other thing, I mean, it, it really, after End of the Century, they kind of, you have to think about, they had Pleasant Dreams, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. was it Subterranean Jungle, and then I forget what, yeah. what they had yeah. there for, for a little bit. They had that live record. Oh, Animal Boy. They had several records until Brain Drain came out and they had a hit. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right about that. But let's go back real quickly to the Phil pulled a gun on the band situation. <laughs> okay, we, we haven't finished there. Accounts vary widely. There are versions of this story, right, where Phil just like places a gun on the mixing board to send a message. And then there's like the extreme version, which is Phil put Joey in one room and the rest of the band in the other and held him hostage for 24 hours. I mean, those are both rumors that have floated. Now, what actually happened, hard to tell. Like you said, we do know Phil loved and owned guns. I buy that. History has meted out that Phil is, in fact, insane. So quotes like this one from Ed Stasium also seem believable. This is from Ed, who said, Phil would make us do take after take and then listen back for an hour at excruciating volume while he stamped his feet and swore. It was so loud he couldn't talk, so he had sign language worked out with his engineer. Like if he wanted reverb, he'd slap his tongue. And he'd listen to the tapes on playback 300 times. He'd pick up the phone. He'd yell at imaginary people. There was nice Phil. There was evil Phil. Nice Phil would be casually dressed with glasses and a paperboy hat like Lennon in a hard stay night. And then he'd disappear for 45 minutes and evil Phil would come back. And evil Phil would have on sunglasses and a wig and beetle boots and a purple jacket and a cape. Oh my gosh! Now, really, that is some. That's really some stuff. The the that's... other the other thing that leads some credence to this is I don't know if you've ever just Googled Phil Spector gunpoint, but if you have, you will find articles like this that look like a list you'd find on Medium, and, and it is, it literally says five artists reportedly held at gunpoint by Phil Spector. Yes, yeah. I have read one of those articles before. <laughs> Let me just give you the list. Uh, John Lennon, Debbie Harry, Leonard Cohen, all on that list. Um, yep. But all of this evidence, to the contrary, Marky Ramone did an interview with NME in 2008 where he says, listen, Phil had a license to carry and that was it. No hostage situation, no gun to the head, nothing. 
So who knows? Who do you want to believe? Regardless, it is not disputed that during this recording session, and this leads kind of to what you're talking about, there's a fracture that happens here with the band and with their success. It is it is not disputed that Johnny tried essentially to quit the band. Do you know this story? Uh, I don't know a lot about it. So, you, but He left know, I, and went back to New York. They're in the middle of the, the recording session and he just takes off. Seymour Stein ends up having to negotiate a meeting between Phil and Johnny to get the record done. Wow. Now, there's Man. also a crazy rumor perpetuated by Dee Dee in his autobiography that none of the Ramones are really on end of the century except for Joey. Now, there's not been any substantiation of this other than Dee Dee, but he says in his autobiography, we'd been working for at least 14 or 15 hours a day for 13 days straight. We still hadn't recorded one note of music. To this day, I still have no idea how they made that album or who actually played bass on it. Well, and you know what? For some reason, that seems so plausible. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it really does. Now, I do think it. this is uh, probably a spot where we can start to talk a little bit about Didi and about whether or not he's a reliable source. But I will say before we get there, it's it's worth mentioning that if you want to just deep dive on the Ramones Wikipedia, uh, there is a whole section that is called Conflicts Between Band Members. And uh, this is kind of where a lot of that starts. And there were a lot of them. They all had uh, struggles both with and without each other. Let's just say that. Um, but to your point, after this Phil Spector madness, the guys do a few more records, uh, as you've already kind of detailed for us. They end up kicking Marky out because he's an alcoholic. Um, they hire this guy, Richie Ramone, who plays drums and kind of saves the band for a while, but they won't cut him in on merch. So after five years in, he just quits. He's like, guys, you're not giving me any of that money. Are you kidding me? Uh, they briefly replace him with the drummer from Blondie. Did you know this? Yes. Yeah. And then weird. he sucks. And so after two shows, they they call Marky and Marky's gotten sober. And this is this is an important part of the story. Marky gets clean and Dee Dee, not always a reliable source, as I said, and that's partly due in large part to his drug use. But once Marky comes back all cleaned up, Dee Dee gets interested in and going to rehab. And they say that is here in rehab that Dee Dee, for the first time, really encounters rap music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories brought to you this week by HelloFresh. You ready to get out of that dinner rut? You ready to have something delicious on the table? Without all of that effort, that exhausting run to the grocery store, that, oh my gosh, I'm out of that ingredient that I is going to make or break this dish. Okay, now HelloFresh is going to do it all for you. Uh, pre-measured ingredients, mouth-watering seasonal recipes, and it all comes right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun and easy. Go to the link in our show notes. You can get 80 bucks off. 80 bucks off, including free shipping. HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Now, back to the show. It's 1987. Dee Dee gets out of rehab, and he's got a new idea. He says, I'm going to become a rapper. And he picks the name Dee Dee King instead of Ramon. <laughs> and he writes 
and records a song to launch his bid as a hip-hop artist. And that song is called Funky Man. I don't think there was a hook. But they, you know, listen, they've already made a DD doll. Did you know that? So he he asks for it in 1987, and eventually uh, the Funko guys uh, who make pops they, they you can buy a DD Ramon uh, pop if you if you really wanted to own that. So I'm glad that came true for him. But yeah, that is that's the song he creates to launch his career. Now I don't know what. How do you feel about that song? Is that one you turn up when you go driving? You said you like Ramon's music loud and the stuff that Didi has written. Is that <laughs> is that in the playlist? It it's such a sad thing that around you know you got to find out how awful that was. Well, listen, and, you can say what you want about that, but it's enough for Warner Brothers to give Didi twenty five k to record a full length. He sells sure. them on this. Yeah, which is which is funny. No, that's almost sixty k in twenty twenty one. Remember, the first Ramones record cost six k, and he gets twenty five k like ten years later. So he can use drum machines and 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 create rhymes. Listen, and to, to his credit, he he tries to spend that money to be in in, in, a, in a way that will make him as hip hop as possible. He's actually still in the Ramones during this point. And think about what the Ramones look like on stage. Did you know that during this period he would show up to Ramones gigs dressed in that Run DMC style outfit that he was wearing? That like I haven't mentioned that because you can't see the video uh, during this podcast. But watch the video and see what he's wearing. He would show up looking like this to Ramones gigs, and man, the other guys in the band did not like that. <laughs> he also decided to invest in recording this album where hip hop was happening. Like he really was 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 kind of doing this the right way. He went to Chung King Studios. Do you know about Chung King? That's where the Beasties recorded, Run recorded, LL Cool J, all recording there during this time. Well, I mean, he's a New Yorker, right? So, I mean, it's the birthplace. So he so. he does all of those things. He it sounds like he's taking the right steps, and he comes back with a full-length record that Warner Brothers puts out called Standing in the Spotlight. Can we listen to the first track? Would you like to hear the first track on Standing in the Spotlight? Interestingly, Funky Man is not on Standing in the Spotlight. That's amazing. I didn't know that. It, instead, it starts with with this song. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm not giving it any further introduction. Right. It's time to rock. It's time to rap. It's time for the mashed potato attack. The lady. 
No, like I, 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 I did read some stuff where they pointed out this really sounds like the Monster Mash. It does. It, it is and, and like when you hear it the first time, you're like, oh, he's making fun of the Monster Mash. But then he continues to rap like this on the record, like even when it's clearly not a Monster Mash send up. Crackle and pop. There's also some things there's some things to know about what is happening right here a little bit of context and that like why is he rapping about mashed potatoes like dear god what it what could uh, actually be happening um yeah. so it, here here's the story first well before we get to the story that female vocal is Debbie Harry <laughs> WTF WTF guys also oh my god what the it, hell is happening it should be explained that this this was a riff on a 1962 trap by D.D. Sharp. Now, it's unclear as to why D.D. chose this to riff on. I mean, honestly, the only thing I could come up with is the name similarity. But um, a fun side note about D.D. Sharp, she claims that in 64, she was briefly engaged to marry Muhammad Ali. That's just... I mean, what? if you didn't know anything about D.D. Sharp, now you do. She had a big hit. This was a big hit in 62, the mashed potato song. Um, now... This is how the record starts, but as the record progresses, the rap novelty parts of it start to kind of go get further and further between. And there's actually even a song at the end that just sounds like a straight up Ramones B-side where he hired a guy that sounds like Joey, like it's not him, it's just some random dude but like doing a Joey impression to sing the song. Okay. Uh critical reception not great. Uh and part of that is because everyone takes this all very seriously, which I I guess is what you want. But if you look at much about this now, and there are some YouTube episodes and docs that we use as source material, and all of this is in the show notes, you can go look at it. Using that as evidence, historically, people still take this pretty seriously, and they see it as, as really misguided. But in September of last year, there was a guy from the Boston Globe, or used to work at the Boston Globe, his name's Jim Sullivan, and he wrote a piece, and you can find it in the show notes, he's got a, a, a website, and and he's revisiting this entire period of Didi because he covered the Ramones and he covered Didi quite a bit at the time for the Boston Globe. Wow. And he has thoughts about this that are not like anything else I've read, right? Um, he quotes an interview he did with Didi about it, and this was before Didi died. And here are some things that Didi said. He quotes Didi as saying, quote, it's a musical cartoon, the Ramones used to be called a cartoon and get really offended, but I always kind of liked the cartoon image. I'm a big comic book fan, and I kind of look at life, art, music as comic pop art. This guy also says that Dee Dee claims the first rap record that got him really thinking about rap, like, I, I, I'm having trouble saying this with a straight face, but do you want to guess what he, what in this interview he did with Dee Dee, Dee, Dee claims is the rap, the rap record that sent him listening to rap? Oh, it's 87. Uh, please don't hammer, hammer don't hurt him. <laughs> uh, buddy, Rappin' Rodney by Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening with this damn story? Quote. I just feel like I'm being punked. Uh, another like, another quote from Dee Dee. I thought it was hysterical for white people to act like that and start rapping. I thought I had a lot of humor in me and I always wanted to do something humorous. So I made up. D.D. King. I didn't take rap too seriously until I bought the second LL Cool J album, and then I saw a real writer and not someone who was just writing the fad. So I I feel like it's important in this episode to point out that I kind of think this has been misunderstood a little bit. It's not easy. If you do much research on this period, people treat it 
very seriously, which is not normally what happens when somebody does something like this. But I think because the Ramones were treated so seriously, people took this move of Didi's. You, I mean, you compared him at the top of the pod to Ace Freely, and I think that's yeah. like pretty accurate, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, for yeah, for for the band, yeah. I mean, people loved him. Now, what happens after this for Didi? Uh, he eventually leaves the Ramones. He plays in Gigi Allen's backup band for a while. Oh my God, I didn't know that. I was wondering if you knew that. He starts another band called the Chinese Dragons. Uh, he does solo albums. He writes an autobiography, which we already mentioned, and he writes a novel, which you can still buy on Amazon for like seven bucks, and it is called Chelsea Horror Hotel. It is a story about Dee Dee, as a fictional character and his wife moving into New York City's famous notorious Hotel Chelsea and believing they are staying in the same room where Sid Vicious killed Nancy. Wow, that is uh, crazy that that is all You can still buy it. Like It's like readily available. It's not like out of print or anything. The Ramones played their final show on August 6th, 1996, and Dee Dee appears as a special guest because he's not technically in the band anymore. Uh, He does get sober for a while, and he's present when the Ramones get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002. That's right. Joey's already dead at that point. Um, but at the end of 2002, he dies from a heroin overdose. The drugs do yep. get him in the end. Yeah. Which was uh, super duper sad. Yeah. But now we know that yeah. he was really inspired by rap and Rodney. <laughs> and Dee Dee did indeed have a short-lived hip-hop career. Uh, It's a real thing, guys. It was a real thing. We have confirmed it for you. You are welcome. And uh, holy cow. Should we we end with Rappin' Rodney? No. (laughs) (laughs) Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. Check out more about Story Guys, their podcasts, and their live appearances at wearethestoryguys.com. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Theme music is from Hark the Herald's smash hit Counterpoint Less. Thank God they did not sue us for using it since it is so damn popular and those guys are so legendary. 